And good morning to Steve Vines. Good morning. I knew Rembrandt well. Did when, you? When he was young. When yes. he was young. When yes. Pontius was a pilot. Just before <laughs> you start today, you're not going to say anything naughty. Me? Yeah. I, I, I'm going to walk out in a, in a half in a moment, if you suggest I would. Because if you did, I was going to have to make a phone call. <laughs> ah, yes, yes, yes. Hotlines. Shall we start with hotlines? Because they seem to be the, 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 um, the what's it du jour. So now we Extra ha- cheese, please, and some pineapple. <laughs> yes. Well, you, you jest, but apparently this, this notorious hotline that's been set up by the um, Don't Occupy Central, Don't Have Democracy, Don't Allow Hong Kong People to Express Their Own views organization um has collapsed under the weight of its own stupidity has it really apparently so they've said they've had to suspend its operations but uh, because for example people are phoning it up and ordering pizzas <laughs> <laughs> but i mean it, it, in a sense that is brilliant i know it is in a sense it's a farce but in another sense it is it is a reflection of the nastiness of of where Hong Kong politics has got. I mean, the... Um, oh, you've got to admire the sense of humour, though. I mean, they're trying to take us back to the 1960s and people are ringing them for pizzas. Yeah, well I done. Mean, I have to say that, but but um, some people who were caught up in the Cultural Revolution in the 1960s didn't think it was that funny. I know, but, I mean, yeah, that, no, that's the I, implication. I, I, I know. I mean, the way to deal with these people is to treat them as what's it's... But, I mean, this is very sinister, this this setting up a hotline so you can you can name names and shame pupils who take part in political movements so that you can shame schools. I mean, this is absolutely... I don't think it's an exaggeration that this has been described as cultural revolution tactics because, of course, they didn't have telephones all over China in the 1960s, but this is precisely what they did. And I've um, spent some time a few years ago talking to victims of of this sort of cultural revolution behaviour. And I can tell you... This is the same mentality. And what I like about the organisers of this is they turn everything around. So they say, if you want to talk about the real terrorism, it's the terrorists in the schools. I mean, this sort of language (laughs) is absolutely astonishing. Mind you, this comes from Robert Chow, who compared himself with Martin Luther King, which I I I don't think was even vaguely an exaggeration. Easily mistaken. Martin Luther King probably, you know, he didn't quite have the uh, gravitas and ability of Robert Chow, but, but, you know, I mean, they obviously are on an absolute par. And I saw, talking of uh, people who've never read a history book in their life, I I saw a marvellous thing in the um, People's Post today, a little about Laura Chow, who's a member of the Executive Council. They're the people who love to say yes to Lern Chung Ying, uh, who said that when she was at university, get this, in America, as all these loyal patriots, of course, have been educated abroad because local educational institutions aren't good enough for the patriots. When she was in, in, um, in America, she um, noticed that many of her fellow students were wasting their time um, taking part in class boycotts and demonstrations against the Vietnam War. But she decided, because she was paying for her course, that she wouldn't... This is what she said. She said, I decided I wasn't going to take part in any of this activity because, you know, it was entirely futile. Uh, what ended the Vietnam War? Oh, that's right. Public opinion in America. Certainly did. Didn't she know that? I mean, don't these... I mean, she lived in America. <laughs> didn't she? Didn't she even know that? I must say, I'm absolutely fundamentally impressed by the, the depth of historical knowledge of these people. And that wasn't a difficult one. But what I have been spending my time on, because I'm sort of sad, is I was trying to 
see whether the new um, election system proposed for Hong Kong by Beijing was as quite as wonderful as it's been presented to be. Although, of course, one of Beijing's great successes is, is shifted the the centre of gravity of this debate so that before people were saying, oh, we're looking for universal suffrage, we're looking to elect our own government. Now, the, 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 the great independent minds in Hong Kong are saying, oh, we should have something that's better than nothing. That's, that's a really, you know, rallying cry. Comrades, something is better than nothing. But something here <laughs> actually is not better than nothing. And, and so I thought, let me think of another um, system where they have universal suffrage other than North Korea. Because, gosh, I don't want to be accused of making an extreme comparison. Or the Soviet Union, which also had universal suffrage. True enough, you couldn't vote for anybody other than the people the party picked. But what about the Islamic Republic of Iran? That's an interesting example. This is uh, a country well known for its democracy and for its um, Guardian's Council, which, um, oh, that's right, it decides everything in Iran. So the Guardian's Council decided that the presidential election in Iran <coughs> should be open to anybody who wanted to nominate. So in the last election, rather astonishingly, 700 people filed nominations to, 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 to contend um, the election, and they reduced that number of candidates to eight people. Who they, So they'd screened out... Eight? eight well, they'd, eight is a very big number in That's Hong massive. Kong. It's not allowed. But they, they'd screened out um, 600 and um, whatever it was, and they came down to eight people. So... Um, Gosh, that's more than Hong Kong's going to be allowed. Hong Kong's going to be allowed two or three candidates. And when you look at... Well, three, according to EJ. Well, well... Have you seen that? Sorry, what's that? The, 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 the three that are being mooted. Oh, well, you, you, you mean who, 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 who Rita Fan, Hong Kong's Madame Mao, is, is suggesting? Yeah, now she's... I mean, when you come down to it... You, you see who they're actually thinking about. And Rita Fan is very good because she will say nothing that she doesn't believe the bosses will approve of. So if you want a weather vane, you might as well fix yourself to her. She doesn't have any ideas of her own, but she likes to be the spokesman for whatever is the thinking in Beijing. And she says, oh, my goodness, we could have as candidates very popular people like C.Y. Leung. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's very popular. Um, Regina Ip. Yep. Um, who had to resign because of her um, non-abilities as a government minister, and Lexus Learn. Who, oh, John got a new moat. Yeah, I, I shouldn't. That's very unfair. He's got another first name, hasn't he? I think it's Anthony. So Anthony Lexus Learn, who had to resign because, as the financial secretary, he took advantage of his own budget by whacking in to buy a car before putting up the taxes on it. The, these these great candidate list apparently is all that Hong Kong needs. Yeah, don't need any more. These are perfectly viable candidates, and of course, what we do know is that. You know, these same people, this election committee, this hand-picked group of people who will do whatever Beijing has told them to do, have actually managed to, to select, in succession, and there's only been three selections, three people who have totally failed in the job. I thought you were so going to say something else. Well, <laughs> I wasn't, because I'm very polite. <laughs> oh, brilliant. <laughs> but, 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 I mean, you know, if you, if, you, if, you, if you ran a, co a company like what I do, yeah. and I had a manager... Who, who, who managed to um, uh, make three major cock-ups in a row, I think the fourth one 
would not be um, the, my fourth um, attitude would not be oh well let's give him a bigger job it would be well thank you very much bye bye yeah and in any system if it fails fails and fails you say three strikes and you're out mate or this not. isn't working it's just not working but anyway the system is going to be prever- preserved in aspect we are told that it is better than nothing i don't i honestly don't see why it's better than nothing because it is nothing there is nothing in there that will enable hong kong to move towards what was offered implicitly and explicitly as the right to elect its own government that simply has been removed and in case anyone has not noticed this because it's pretty damn clear but never mm. mind What's the role of the Hong Kong government in all this? Oh, that's right. Nothing. Nothing. I mean, Beijing simply says, oh, you've had a consultation exercise. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're, we're busy drafting the rules. Yeah, very nice. They're now having a second consultation exercise. I'm not in the slightest I bit don't get that. surprised. I mean, the rules have been laid down. They're now saying we'll have a consultation exercise. I mean, you know, I'm not in the slightest bit surprised that the Democrats are saying, well, I don't think they're going to bother with that. Because... The Hong Kong government, they don't even now pretend that the Hong Kong government has a role in these major decisions. I mean, perhaps you would have thought, but they don't even bother anymore, that in the old days they would have allowed Lan Chung Ying to announce these things. No, 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 none of that. It's all announced in Beijing. Uh, and Lan Chung Ying is reduced to saying, very good, marvellous, exceptional, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Act now, you forgot that. He, he, we he, care. He reminds me of a bloke that my father used to know um, in the old days, uh, who was a very avid member of the British Communist Party, and I can assure you that was a no-hope occupation. And he, he, was, he was called Lionel. He says, no use phoning up Lionel in the morning. He hasn't read The Daily Worker, and he doesn't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. But honestly, um, I said EJ. I was talking about uh, Economic Journal on, oh, right. on, yes, right, online. Yes, but yes. they were putting, they put the free pictures up. And yes. I'm thinking, what, what, hang on. It's, what? it's like a, it's a horror, horror gallery almost. I mean, but this is the choice. This is the choice. I mean, the people they like are not the people that Hong Kong likes. So, I mean, it will be, it will be more than a ghastly charade if that actually ends up to be the choice put before the people of Hong Kong. I, I think they'll find some other little weasel to put in there. I think one reason that Regina Ip, although she's sufficiently ghastly, um, may not get it, is every now and again she she has her own ideas about things and nowadays no, absolutely. that's just no. not acceptable. Your not- own ideas about anything... Psh- Absolutely, absolutely not. Let's go back to where we started for a second. So these fellows who are putting up the phone line and anti this, that and the other, what on earth are they after? Well, it is white terror. I mean, when I first heard that expression, I thought, surely they're exaggerating. When I think about it, when you set up a hotline to report on children who aren't obeying the political line... I've never heard anything like it. It's just staggering. And, you know, it's quite interesting. Arthur Lee, who um, was the education minister and is now another of the... Well, of course, he's one of the apologists, but but that goes without saying. um, Was saying, you know, I I would join Occupy Central if I thought it would make any difference. Then he promptly says, of course, it won't make any difference, blah, blah, blah. But one of the things about protesting and involving people in political debate and dialogue is it's actually a long-term process. I mean... As a student, I, I just point this out in passing, we had occupations like other people have hot, hot cups of tea in our university. Fair play. And they were 
well, I have to admit, some of them were a lot of fun, actually, but that's, <laughs> that's besides the point. But they were also immensely educational because we all took ourselves very, very seriously. And we, ha- we hauled people in to give us lectures and we all sat there being very attentive, more attentive than we were at the sort of regular type of lectures. Now, apparently, this is precisely what the students' uh, unions are are doing at the moment they're organizing people to come in and give lectures and and what have you the process of being part of a protest movement and having to think about the issues is very important for development i would actually and this sounds bizarre but i'll say it anyway i would actually think that most students should be encouraged to do it just as part of their education because it does help you think it does help you say if you're serious about being part of a community, maybe you need to get your hands dirty and get involved. Now, it would be, of course, nice for all protests, from the protesters' point of view, to succeed. It, it's inherently impossible that that's ever going to happen. But if you see it as part of a process, you see it as part of the development of society, then you can take another view. See, I want to be really simple about this. I don't understand what Robert wants. Is it like the communist version of 72 virgins or something? What do they well, want from doing this they stuff? Want, they want the, the status quo. Status quo? Yes, that's extraordinary. I know, when you think about it, that's quite extraordinary, as though the status quo is perfect. And they want to be... Of course, all of these people have nah, enormous... human nature kicks in here, Steve. No, well, human nature... I'm just coming to the human Good. nature bit. Of course, all of these people will be rewarded personally and in other ways rewarded because if you become what lenin used to call the non-communists who supported the 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 soviet regime he always used to refer to them in private as as useful idiots if you become a useful idiot for the chinese communist party you will reap rewards to that round here that's lady gaga still in with steve vines a sensible thought it was one of the teachers' unions that complained about these guys and their hotline. So I'm thinking they've complained to the privacy commissioner. Correct. Yeah. I'm thinking what it actually might be doing is kind of solidifying communities within schools. If you think about it, well, I think um, as the head of one school, um, I think it was DBS said, "Do you know what?" We'll handle our own business. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I think that may well be the attitude that a lot of schools are taking. You know, you've got headmasters, you've got senior teachers, you've got responsible parents, you've got responsible pupils. Uh, if we need to sort anything out, we don't need you outsiders uh, trying to See? stir up stir up. Fuss. That's a dynamic. So, in a sense, I think you're right. It may well... Um, um, enhance that sense of cohesion within the schools because between students and staff as well. Yes, yes, and their parents. Yeah, or, yeah, that, that triangle. Yeah. So in trying to do this thing, the the other dynamics have been ignored. Like you know, these guys, these they're top teachers, they're top academics. Um, you're annoying them. Well, uh, and what you're also saying to them is that that we want to introduce into the education system, and people are very sensitive about this, a kind of um, political commissariat, you know, well, like exactly having, what having, it is. having commissars uh, overlooking the shoulders of teachers and saying, are you being politically correct, are you? And, you know, when you've got to there, you've gone so way past, way past any goalpost of, of a democratic society or, or a normal civil society, that you're, you're in a hinterland that's has only been populated by dictatorships. Absolutely. Got a couple of emails here if you want to get in touch. Morningbrew at rthk.hk. This is from Chris. Good morning, gentlemen. For someone who is supposed to be a media expert, Robert Chow's recent pronouncement on terrorism is incredibly inept, says Chris. On Tuesday, I read an article in the China Daily which quoted Rita Fan as saying that the youths who have 
who wave the Hong Kong colonial flag at demos are, quote, colonialist lackeys. And Chris just says, pot, kettle, black, question mark. Yes, um, I, I, Chris fortunately seems to be one of these people who has a memory that lasts longer than a couple of days. And he remembers the days when... Rita Fan, OBE, that's Order of the British Empire, or is it MBE? She's, a, she's one of those, member of the British Empire, um, was the most slavish um, pro-colonial person in Hong Kong. She was a member of the colonial um, executive cabinets. She, she sat in, in LegCo supporting the colonial government. And uh, she just changed ships when, when power changed ships. So if she wants to know about colonial lackeys, as Chris says, a quick look in the mirror would be probably the right place to go. Let's move on. Douglas, good morning. He says, more chilling is the evidence the debate has gone way beyond democracy. The following is an answer from a young Chinese activist reacting to the Occupy Central preparations, which have cost companies already. He says OC, I'm assuming, Occupy Central. Um, The quote is, I don't want to have an argument here. It's not fun to do the OC. Who triggers... The, the OC. It's not us, but the government who's been neglecting the powerless for decades. If, uh, if the central people are paying, most of us are even paying for the high properties prices, serious wealth gap, extremely bad living environment, elderly, poor, natural um, it says natural beach become a money-making project private property for private property developers. Got it. Yeah. Old villages demolished in the new uh, territories northeast. Uh, without democratic discussion, people lose their homes, fake universal suffrage, freedom of press is deteriorating, long working hours, this goes on and on and on. At the end of it, it says, uh, lack of money for retirement protection scheme, but billions of dollars for infrastructure. Students like me have 200,000 school debt everywhere. Now who's paying? Good points. I mean, I think what he is getting to, and I completely agree with this, is... That That's a quote this... from a student. That, that, uh, oh, right, yeah. but well, well... Whoever that student is, I think he's getting to the core of the matter because although the discussion is about universal suffrage and and government, what the real absolute core of what's going on is the government in Beijing, or more accurately the Communist Party in Beijing, I think actually wants a confrontation with the Democrats, with people who are out of line. It wants to show who is boss. It's fed up with all this freedom of the press nonsense, rule of law nonsense, Hong Kong way of life nonsense. It's said, look, we're, we're not even bothering with that anymore. This is what you're going to have. You want to fight? Bring it on. Bring it on. Because, you know, we've got a police commissioner who we're pretty sure is an OK chap from our point of view. We've got everything in line. You know, we've told that idiot CY Leung to open up more prisons. You want it on? We'll do it. And what we want is to tell the people of Hong Kong, we're in control, you do what you say. So if you think, if anybody is stupid enough to think that this offer of false universal suffrage is the end of the matter, you must be out of your tiny little mind because this is an authoritarian government that will win that battle if it does, will then start looking at the rule of law will then start looking at freedom of expression. I mean, then start looking as though they haven't been looking at it already. But we'll be taking actions to diminish these absolute pillars of Hong Kong society. And everybody will turn around and say, 
but I thought this was about elections. Nobody told me they were going to do that. Nobody told me I wouldn't be able to uh, protest about the property developer who's just proposed to, you know, tear down my house. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm non-political. It's nothing to do with me. <laughs> it doesn't work like that in dictatorships. Politics is to do with everybody. So if you think you're not in the firing line... Um, you're going to be very, very severely disappointed. So even though, and you have to admit to this possibility, even though the battle for universal suffrage may well be lost next year, that doesn't mean that, 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 that the Chinese Communist Party is going to win the war because it's on the wrong side of history. I mean, you know, these wars take a long time to, to fight. I, I, just in parenthesis, I've just been watching one of the most fascinating fascinating documentaries i've seen for many years it's called the gatekeepers and it's interviews with six of the leaders former leaders of the israeli intelligence services the shin bet and the guy at the end says you know and what's so interesting is these are the people who really do the dirty stuff you know they really know what's going on he says you know we in israel we can win every battle with the palestinians but we couldn't possibly win the war and I think this is the same situation here, is that, that, that the Communist Party and its acolytes and their born-again, you know, pro-Beijingers, they can, they can do their worst. But will they kill the spirit of Hong Kong? I'm sufficiently optimistic to think that they won't. But that's what they want to do. They want to subjugate it. Well, ordering pizzas on this telephone line is a tiny but beautiful example. It shows <laughs> that people in these dire times keep alive their sense of humour, and it's very important to do that. I want to go to an email here from Mike. We must have been talking about something similar last week. He says, I sent you an email just as the programme was finishing last week. What are the practicalities of trying to impose a boycott of Chinese goods as a protest against their recent constitutional abuse? I'm just going to chuck in an extra bit on Steve's point there. What if building... a businesses started to clear off as well after all this go to mike first well i think I, honestly i don't think that's practical no i think he's just talking in theory yeah yeah practically everything we eat here unless you're very rich comes from across the border so that that would be very difficult and i'm not sure that's the, r the right tactic but i do think if we want to talk about businesses i do think that and, and everybody knows this. It's not a sort of funny little theory that I've just, you know, sure. conjured up on the way to this very fine studio. That once businesses get the idea... I'll just kick that sheep out the way. Yes, Sorry oh, about that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> once businesses get the idea that, that, that the rule of law doesn't prevail in Hong Kong, there is no reason for them to be here. None at all. They will be off like, you know... A prom dress. <laughs> Well, you may be the expert on that. Do you, do you really reckon? <laughs> I do, because the, the reason they're here is that they can do business in China while being protected under the shield of a, of, a, of a functioning legal system. And if they can't do that, there is absolutely no point to be here. They're not here because of the great weather. They're not here because of the, the, the wonderful karaoke. It's, it's the framework. Well, these are the and things. And you destroy the framework and... Uh, and it happens very rapidly. This is what people don't seem to realise, because once a few big companies say, I'm off, you know, I can't get, um, I can't get a, uh, an objective court to oversee the business that I'm doing here, 
other companies go, oh, well, if he's off, I think we'd better be off as well. And then the next one, and the next one, and the next one. It's happened before. This isn't uh, some, again, this isn't some fancy theory that yeah. uh, uh, it will, will come as a surprise to anybody who's, re- who's read any kind of history book. Well, these are the things I'm interested in, the stuff that will happen by, I don't know, devolution, whatever you want to call it, um, after we've seen all the stuff in the news recently, etc., etc. But the real core things, like multinationals saying, well, we're not too happy about that place well, anymore. But the, but the point is that, that Hong Kong's whole raison d'etre, its whole economy is built on this middleman role with with the mainland. So, you know, it, it's quite true. Of course, companies don't come here to build car plants or, or build any other large... Uh, manufacturing structures they come here to conduct business and that actually involves obviously not as many people as it does say in a car plant but it involves the working population of hong kong more or less Mm -hmm. you know most people are in one way or another not everybody but a very high percentage of people in one way or another are working in industries and services that essentially conduct business with the mainland at a safe distance and the word safe distance means with the barrier that separates the rule of law and the rule of the party so once those two that barrier has been broken down why bother why be here all right let's move on what do you want to do I, I, I was just seeing, you, you know, the wonderful police force, um, which Andy Jung is, is, is trying to reduce in so many ways. That's the chief of police. Um, you, you, most people have forgotten this, but they, they were so determined to um, convict these blokes from a gay demonstration in 2011 for not having an entertainment licence because they had been, there'd been some dancing dancing in the streets. I bet the music was brilliant, though. Uh, Well, it's funny, that detail hasn't been released. I don't know what it was, but I I, I don't think it was... um, um, uh, No, no, never mind. (laughs) Frank Sinatra. Um, uh, um, Anyway, so they actually went as far as the Court of Final Appeal to try and get a conviction against one of these blokes for... for, Allowing dancing to take place without having an entertainment license. Brilliant noise. It's like one of those medieval laws. Yeah, I know. It's, it's just whistling on a Tuesday. I, I, officer, <laughs> I saw two people dancing yeah. in the street. I thought to myself, hello, hello. They don't seem to have a license. That's anyway, right. so they go all the way. This is staggering. They go all the way to the Court of Final Appeal. Now we come back to the rule of law. So the three judges sitting in the Court of Final Appeal said, it, it's not a place of entertainment, dumbos if you're in the street, because by the nature of being in the street, people don't pay to come in, and they don't pay to go out. In other words, it's a street. It's a street. Who knew that yeah. streets were places where people wandered around? Even, well, I think I knew that, but not the Commissioner of Police, obviously. And they said, you know, um, if, you know, there are other ways of dealing with this, but it's not a matter of an entertainment licence, because... First of all, no money changed hands. Uh, but the essential point is that it's, you know, it was a spontaneous thing. People were doing it. Now, I know spontaneity is very dangerous. And I, in Shouldn't my be time, encouraged. I've seen it and it's absolutely ghastly, I can tell you. Yeah. It's not contagious, though. You can take pills and you can seek advice. But if you feel like dancing in the street, don't do it near a policeman. That would be my tip for the day. <laughs>